T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And Story goes down swinging, and DeGrom's got his first strike out of the day. One, two, three for Jake. Two, two coming. Fastball strike three call. That's the best fastball he's thrown yet. And he comes inside again and strikes him out on three pitches. Here in New York at this point. And Nunez goes down on the slider, and DeGrom strikes out three in a row to strand a pair. Tapia on deck, and then Ryan McMahon for the Rockies in the third. And Gonzalez goes down swinging on the high fastball to figure out how they're off. This guy takes two or three pitches, and he blows away Toppy at 101 miles an hour. He's on a different road today. And he blows him away upstairs. DeGrom strikes out the side. He's fanned the last six hitters. DeGrom on a roll. This quick. One-two coming. He struck him out. Nine in a row for Jacob DeGrom. Ten strikeouts for the day. One strikeout shy of history. Couldn't have given up a run. Yep. And Blackman, did he go around? He did. Strike three. Number 13 for DeGrom. Swing and a miss. Crone is down on strikes. And that is 14 strikeouts for second consecutive start for Jacob DeGrom. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. I mean, he's ridiculous. Just uh, absurd at just about every time out. Jacob DeGrom, 14 Ks for the second game in a row. Nine in a row. One shy of Tom Seaver. Tom Seaver set the record with 10 Ks in a row in his 19 strikeout game at the time of record in April of 1970. It is hit and run. The score's venerable baseball show on a Sunday morning here in this two-team town. I'm Matt Spiegel, and I'm pleased to welcome in on the Alpamata Nissan hotline. Go to apnissan.com or check out Alpamata Nissan in Melrose Park. It is Casey Stern, MLB Network radio host, longtime baseball human Casey Stern joins us right now on the score. Good morning, Casey. How are you? Matt, morning, man. How's everything okay? Yeah, it's all right. Um, nice to talk to you. Uh, how has DeGrom added heat to the fastball every year? Is uh, is it sticky stuff? Is it mechanics? Is it What's going on with Jacob DeGrom? It is remarkable what he's done every year. You know, it, it is crazy. And I think, you know, part of what a lot of people forget is this guy was a shortstop. And you're talking about a kid who at Stetson was drafted in the ninth round, which, by the way, that worked out to be okay in terms yeah. of picks. Uh, and, you know, you think about him, by the way, him and Whit Merrifield, two guys who were in that ninth round of that draft back in 2010 that worked out pretty well as all-stars. I, I just look at DeGrom as a guy who continues to fine-tune 
his mechanics. And it's so easy for him as far as even when he was throwing 95-96. I mean, this is somebody who just doesn't look like he's even throwing hard. And it's amazing, not only the ticks and velocity, but the thing about DeGrom that is crazy is you can watch a box score. It's like, okay, great, another DeGrom dynamo performance. Yesterday, he came out and after, remember, they had an extra couple of days because of the snow out and everything that has happened with his team scheduling-wise in general was a week off. He didn't find his fastball really until the second inning. He was behind at a couple of 3-1 counts. If he comes out of the gates yesterday and the way he pitched the rest of the game in the first two innings, he could have struck out. I mean, look, it was a seven-inning game. He struck out 14. Uh, so it's just amazing. The slider yesterday, Blackman in the first at back at the hit on his fastball. Second A-B, he threw Charlie Blackman five consecutive sliders to get him out. So it's just the, the smarts. And he's so under control. I mean, he reminds me a lot in terms of, like, his mannerisms and just the approach on the mound to the late Doc Halliday. He's a guy who is not going to say much, right? I mean, there's not even a lot of, you know, aggressive nature of fist pumping after strikeouts. He's just so controlled and professionally operating on hitters day after day when he's out there on the mound. It's awesome. Um, Jacob DeGrom hit one home run in college, Casey Stern. Do you know who he hit it off of? Do you know who he hit it off of? I don't. I actually don't know. I don't know. Chris Sale. They were playing. Oh, that worked. The, they're playing in the Atlantic Sun Conference Championship Tournament in 2010. I, I remember I once heard a story that like Sale was just kind of found when somebody went down to to scout Degrom, or maybe it was the other way around. But I, I, I love stuff like that, as you clearly do with the Whit Merrifield Nuggets. Good stuff. Um, have, are you staying up late to watch the playoff atmosphere excellence with the Dodgers and the Padres? I've got kids. I know you've got kids. It's all right to watch the condensed game in the morning. I got to be honest. Oh, uh, you you know what. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have on Friday I did because oh. you know to me it's Woo. like well here's the thing it's like first of all in April you know the funny thing about the baseball season covering all these years you get real locked in beforehand we count down forever till it starts the first two weeks if you started off great you're going to the Hall of Fame if it's bad even if you were a Hall of Famer now you're not allowed anymore and then we kind of get back into it in the middle for the All Star voting we are angry. We're upset. Okay, great. Nice weekend. See you in September. And that's kind of how people are, right? But yep. in in this, in this offseason, because we had such a weird year last year, man, I think it's, it's certainly amped up that people were excited with everything that happened in the offseason with San Diego. The fact that Tatis, which completely shocked me, I'm, I'm curious your take. I mean, you know, to come off of the IL and be eligible, the day he was to come back after the way he went out, I mean, people were like, you know, hey, he's done for the year. To, oh, hey, three days later, he's ready to play. I mean, the whole thing is just amazing. And then when you see a play like Mookie Betts yesterday, hmm. his talent level, Joe Kelly told me a few years ago when they were both in the Red Sox, said, I said, give me an idea of, you know, in a line, how you explain Mookie Betts. He said, I hate him. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, he's literally better than me at everything <laughs> because he's just, I mean, Mookie Betts has several 300 bowl games. There's nothing he can't do. And here's a catch. He's a right fielder, right? Playing in center on a catch like that to end a game. I mean, it's been pretty fascinating for an April series. It's been very, very cool to watch. Absolutely. Uh, you ever seen the video of Mookie Betts running wide receiver patterns that's out there, Casey? He's a. Uh, uh, yes. It, it, it's, he runs this little square corner pattern, and I'm like, oh, that looks really good. Really, really smooth. Anything he wanted to do, um, he, he could surely do. Yeah, you mentioned Tatis. That shoulder. 
has basically oh. popped in and out several times in his life going back to the minors. That's that's scary stuff um, for a guy that just gave a, a massive pile of money. I, but I don't I don't know that there's anything to do about it short term. You know, I guess surgery is an option at some point, but they're trying to avoid that, of course. Yeah, I mean, look, when you get uh, the two-touchdown deal, 14 years, you, you want to be careful. My thought, and I talked to a bunch of players who had similar injuries, and you know, they all say the same thing. Now, look, even with if he has the surgery, because of the way he swings, even if it takes time, it may be gradual, but three, four years later, we might be right back here anyway. If he doesn't have the surgery, we still may end up having this happen. Now, you know, could it be worse? each time it, it could be I mean but it, you know at the same time I always go back to and I remember because in doing you know the the postseason with Turner that year Pedro in, in addition to everywhere else was it was like Tanaka's arm was going to fall off and he went I don't know what he pitched another five years right with yeah. the, an elbow that people thought was coming apart I remember I think it was Leo Mazzoni who told me many many years ago he said you do an MRI on every pitcher that is scheduled to start tonight there will be no games because I mean, <laughs> arms are just not supposed to work this way, right? So, so in in the you think about the torque of a swing of a kid who is swinging, and he's got a violent swing in terms of Tatis Jr. I it, I think you're going to probably have a lot of these kind of things happen. But I was I was shocked. I mean, April. Look, I agree. It's great for us to watch a Dodgers Padres series. Fine. But it's April. I mean, if, if he's anywhere close to where you've got to make a game-time decision, you shouldn't be playing. So I was surprised, but it's worked out okay. It is 670 the score. It's hit and run on a Sunday morning. The White Sox and Red Sox with a split double header. Jonathan Stever will be the 27th man and start the second game of the double header. Later on, it's Cubs and Braves at night right here on the score. That is the Sunday night game. Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer and Zach Zabin coming up uh, in the six o'clock hour later on. But we're talking some national with Casey Stern. Um, all right. So. The Atlantic League is going to move the mound back by a foot. Six, uh-huh. 16 straight years, the strikeout rate has gone up. 16 consecutive years. And this year, it is worse than ever. And it is a tough watch very often. Um, because of that, among other reasons, I have no problem with trying out this rule. Um, what are your thoughts on the rule? Do you think it makes its way to the MLB at some point? Well, look, I think first of all, and I know people don't want to hear this, but the first thing you got to think about is what about the injury aspect of it? So I, I talked to a couple of different pitchers about this, and what they actually everybody across the board who has pitched has told me is that even though everybody's thinking about the fastball velocity, and this kind of makes sense when you think about it, even though I don't think we're you know pitching unless we're playing MLB the show tonight, you and I, uh, you know, when you're throwing a breaking ball, the torque on a slider, all those sorts of things that's going to change the distance and the mechanics of all of that. So there are going to be some guys who then, because they have to, you know, maybe you know, put a little bit more oomph into it. Like a lot of cutters, a lot of sliders. These are the pitchers, the pitches obviously that have caused most of the injuries that we see. You might have some injury concerns. The thing that to me is a little bit ridiculous is how far we'll go to not say Hey, look, um, I know we couldn't tell Buddy Ryan, don't run the 46 defense. Huggy, you can go do the press, visit behind the zone. But really, since nobody can hit, maybe the shift should be gone. Because really, that's what all this is, 
Why is a runner on second in extra innings? Because no one knows how to matriculate a run anymore. So sure, we could put a guy back there. I can't get him in anyway. This is something that is not going to change that. Because if you talk to anybody who hits, every single player who could get to AAA can hit a fastball. Now, they don't all throw 101, but it's the movement of DeGrom's pitch that makes him think. Look at how many pitches he strikes guys out with in the zone. But watch them. It looks like, and it's the whole quote-unquote, because there's no such thing, but it looks like it's a rising fastball. Mm. It's the movement on his pitch, the life at the end of the pitch that he's able to get, the cut on the guys who throw the cutters, like guys like Kenley for years, and obviously Mariano was the best at it before him. The fastballs are still going to be... 98 to the 99, 96 to the 97. Guys can't hit because no one can hit a breaking ball. There's no approach at the play. Go watch the games today, people who are listening, and watch how many guys take fastballs down the middle to open a count hmm. because they're worried about walking instead of trying to get a hit. Moises Salou would hit 9,000 if he played today <laughs> with the amount of fastballs we're starting. It's a, Guys don't know what they're doing anymore, Matt. It's crazy. It, it is crazy. It, it it really is. I, 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 I tweeted. It was yesterday or the day before. Theo Epstein built an offense so frustrating with the Chicago Cubs that it made him want to fix the sport because. Yeah. <laughs> Because the Cubs, the Cubs are yeah. such a difficult watch. They homered a bunch yesterday, but yeah. they they've become attackable on Moss, Casey, yep. like so yep. many are high fastball, high four seamer, and then some kind of twelve to six breaking pitch, slider yep. or curve yeah. or whatever it is, like in that tunnel, yeah. and it goes against the launch angle guys, and it's just and yet the hitters remain committed to trying to hit home runs because that's what they get paid for and that's the most sensible thing to try to do the way it's constructed so theo's trying all these different things we got the mound we have the sticky stuff we have the potential shift um we we have you know there's the three batter rule that predates him but there's all these different things of all these different things he's trying to lower the strikeout rate and that is the open clear goal here what uh, what of them will make sense if any to try and achieve that goal honestly i, I still and i'm stubborn with this i stick with and i've even said because i understand the idea of you know even though aesthetically i'll be honest it's like, you know, my kids are still not old enough yet to really care about it. But when we see the little arrows of, no, okay, so that's the shortstop, but he's all the way over here. It's like, I don't have to explain to, you know, my, my kid, hey, the wide receiver's out there, right? So it's like, you know, I, aesthetically, I don't want to deal with it. But the shift to me, if you kept even two guys, Matt, on one side of second base and use the bag as like a separator, to me, everything you're saying is from that. Why is there launch angle in all the home runs? Why are they getting paid that way? Well, you know, the whole Chicks did the long ball from years ago and all that with the homer. But the Royals went to back-to-back World Series and without Bumgarner would have shocked the world and won two in a row. Mm -hmm. What? Making contact. Every guy. Nobody hit homers on the team. The stadium was the biggest in the league. And nobody was hitting homers, but they all put the ball in play. There's no hit and run anymore. The only hit and run we have is if a guy gets hit and we run towards the pitcher to go fight him. It doesn't exist. Because everybody is trying to hit a homer because rather than hitting it into a shift, guess what you can't get? The ball that goes over you. And the greatest example of this to me is for a Cubs fans listening, they're certainly happy with this, but watching what's happened to Matt Carpenter in St. Louis. They completely ruined him. Here's a guy at the top of the lineup, not a stolen base guy, but the new, right, not when we were kids, but the new era of a guy from 10 years ago, just, just get on base. 
He was great. What they do, they try to get him hit homers. He won half a season where he hit 20 something, whatever it was. And guess what? Now, every outside pitch he pulls and grounds out to second base hmm. is taking to the opposite field because dumping for a single doesn't do anything. If we change the approach of allowing guys to hit the ball with the hard velocity, but not so much up in the air, I think they know what they can do. They're just not doing it. It's, the, it's not the players. It's not like everybody, oh, I forgot how to hit. Hey, look, there's holes in the swings, like a Javi Baez or somebody like that. Jason Hayward, great example. We made him $184 million for what we thought he should be able to do with that size. Instead of saying, wow, he's really good at a lot of things, just probably $100 million less good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's true. It's um, it's a frustrating moment, um, and they're kind of throwing a lot of crap at the wall trying to figure out what oh. it is, and, and 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 we'll see what's what sticks with it. Casey, a pleasure to talk to you, man. Thanks. We'll do it again sometime. Anytime, and if they start with telling Angel Hernandez that it's probably time to sit down, they're off to a good start. <laughs> that. Thank you, Casey. Thanks, Stern. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's Casey Stern, right there. Man, it must have been fun to sit next to Pedro Martinez and Jimmy Rollins and all those guys. Gary Sheffield, those have been a fun watch. Um, now that's Ernie Johnson's uh, gig. Um, 670, the score is where you are. Phone lines are wide open for you if you want to talk about any of this stuff regarding the game. Um, I, I do want to talk about that mound being moved back by the Atlantic League, but... Let's be honest. There is the single biggest issue for baseball fans. It's an inability to watch their favorite team play. I want to refresh that for you just a little bit. And we'll continue checking in on the lineups for the Cubs tonight. That We won't have that one for a while. But I think we do have a Red Sox lineup for the first one against the White Sox. Do we have a White Sox lineup too? Uh, not just yet. But we'll keep looking. Keep tracking it down. And invite your calls and texts at 312 644 We do have a Game 1 lineup. Sox, oh, yes. that will be revealed in a matter of moments on the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Low target, three and two. Lamb in the air, right field. Naylor back at the wall. He makes the catch. In June, it's a tie ball game. 
In the chill of April, the Indians win 2-0 in 10 in a brilliant game. You know, I think the way it, 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 it's supposed to work in the big leagues is you earn your spot on the roster, and that's what Andrew did. It's just like Dylan Cease did and Rodon did and Kopech did. And then you earn your at-bats. Yeah, this is um, this drives White Sox fans crazy. I got a text from a buddy on uh, Wednesday night as Carlos Rodon was about to go back to the mound for the ninth in his no-hitter. And my buddy said, uh, Jose Ruiz is going to go out for the ninth because Tony thinks he's earned the inning. To hear about guys earning their at-bats simply because they have been in the big leagues, it's trash. It's absolute trash. Nick Williams is a bad defensive outfielder because he's lanky and fast. Does not mean he's a good defensive outfielder. He's bad. So his defensive prowess should not be an issue for him starting over Andrew Vaughn. And as a hitter, he has proven to be a 4A player. Better than a minor leaguer, but he ain't no big leaguer. And yet Tony thought he had earned at-bats and earned an at-bat in the 10th inning of the Bieber-Giolito game on Tuesday. Today, um, Tony LaRusa believes that Jake Lamb has earned not just at-bats, but his first career start in left field. First ever start in the outfield for Jake Lamb. I don't believe he's ever played an inning in the outfield in his big league career. Uh, Wedged onto this roster and now getting a start in left field in front of a 37-foot high wall out there and left known as the green monster. And can we talk about being wedged on this roster? Because he was cut from Braves camp because of Pablo Sandoval making the roster and then Jason Kipnis being signed. And then (laughs) this all be, this all leads to them getting injured and having COVID issues where they call up a guy who hasn't made an MLB at bat since 2008 in Sean Kazma. Hey, Hey, do not besmirch anything regarding Sean Kazmar. I woke up yesterday morning thinking it was Scott Kazmir and didn't realize until I was running the board that it was Sean Kazmar. One of the great stories of this young baseball season, dude went 12 plus years between big league at bats. Uh, Not for nothing, but was the family cool with him being in triple a for 12 years as cody decker got a wife and a couple of kids um, i mean cody did the same thing not for that long did he i think so is cody there for that long? well sean kazmar good for you back in the majors uh yesterday against uh the cubs uh, of all teams um and sean kazmar pretty cool his wife and i believe his mother were able to get on a red-eye flight uh, on Friday night and make it to Wrigley to see his game there. Hasn't played in the big since 2008 when he was with the Padres. But there's Jake Lamb in the eighth spot and playing left field. Lurie Garcia hits ninth and plays second. At the top, it's Tim Anderson, Adam Eaton, who's been good. It's been very good, really, in, in most aspects, except for some very awkward defense. Good defense yesterday. Made a great catch uh, in right field to take a home run away. Mancata up to the three-hole again. Abreu in cleanup. Your mean Mercedes behind Abreu. I like that. I think Abreu cares who hits behind him. I think we have learned about him that it matters for him to feel protected. He loved what Eloy brought in that way. 
and Mercedes is as close as you're going to get. And Mercedes right now is feared by the opposition and should be the way that he goes about his business with the two strike approach and the absurd power when he when he swings big on the first couple of strings. So I like Mercedes behind Abreu. Grandal hits behind him. Then Luis Robert down at seven. Jake Lamb at eight and Garcia at nine. Ugh, Jake Lamb. These guys are going against uh, Tanner Houck. Tanner Houck of the Red Sox. And I don't, uh, I don't really get it. I just, you know, it, this is what Tony does. Tony plays the entire roster. He plays every bit of the roster, and that's what he does. And I think Rick Hahn knew this. He just, you know. He just he, didn't want to hire him. He just didn't want to hire him. There is that. Was not very interested in hiring him and then didn't really have a choice. Uh, let's go to the phone lines, shall we? At 312-644-6767. This is Rodney on the south side who's now on the score on Hit and Run. Good morning, Rodney. Hey, how you doing, guys? Very good, man. How are you? Good morning. It's, it's funny that you bring that up because anytime you've got an owner who overrules the general manager by bringing in somebody who's 76 years old and hasn't been away from the game for nine years, that's ridiculous. In my mind, that's a gimmick. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. Tony LaRusso is a Hall of Fame manager, well-deserved. You know what I mean? He was, he was great back in his day. But how in the world are you going to just hire a 76-year-old manager who has not managed in nine years mm. over some a whole bunch of candidates who's at least been familiar with the American League recently? You know, so people like A.J. Hinch, people like Mike Schoelscher, you know, I mean, a whole bunch of guys. That's, to me, that's just a, a flat-out gimmick. And I mean, if, if I was Rick Hahn, I got to be, I mean, a little bit like scratching my head because again, how do you let your owner just overrule you and just go get anybody? Because you like your job and there's not many jobs like this and you've been building to get here for all these years and you don't want to just walk away when the team that you have built and assembled is is now here I, I hear you rodney thanks for the call man and this was incredibly frustrating in the off season i think most of us were able to sort of you know intellectually kind of put it aside and then you see some things that that just just drive you nuts um it's just it's the nature of the owner i remember paul Kanerko was on in the off season and said it's the golden rule he who has the gold makes the rules and that's it it's the boss we've all had this in our lives at different times the boss makes the call and that's all it is the familiarity is a is definitely an issue you know you look around and He's looking at Nick Williams thinking that he's, well, I, I mean, you got. has he been watching what he did with the Phillies? Been paying attention to the game? Really? I don't know. I mean, I know Jake Lamb was your guy in Arizona. Have you been watching the last couple years for Jake Lamb? Because this is not, it's, it's, it's a long time since 2017 when Jake Lamb had an OPS of 844, had 30 homers, drove in 105 runs. Did strike out 152 times. It's all right. People accept those Ks. But then a banged up year in 2018, uh, a banged up year in 2019 with terrible numbers both those times. And in 2020, played in 31 games with horrible numbers. The OPS hasn't been above 676 since that 2017 year. Arizona gave up on him. Oakland had him, gave up on him. Sean Anderson told you about Jake Lamb in Arizona, couldn't make that roster. Now here he is 
a Tony guy. And it's just, yeah, it's very, very frustrating. I uh, just saw this too uh, from Jose Abreu. He talked about how he likes being protected in the lineup. Yesterday, he had three of his 14 hardest hit balls yesterday, and two of them came in the uh, uh, top 12. So he had his hardest hit ball yesterday, mm-hmm. his 12th hit ball, and 14th hit ball yesterday. There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it and, you know, some of that stuff, I know people uh, like to dismiss lineup protection or lineup positioning and stuff. To some of the players, it matters a great deal. It absolutely matters. And it matters to Abreu, and he has said as much and shown you as much. Well, and I'm surprised they don't protect Luis Robert more because he, I mean, quietly has been getting on base a ton. Yes, I, he has. Luis Robert has made some adjustments, and I got to give him credit because I thought we were going to enter this year with the same kind of stuff giving him problems, but he is laying off some of that low and away stuff. He's swinging less. I'll check those numbers in the break. Last year, his swing percentage was number one in all of baseball. His swing and miss percentage was also number one. But just the swing percentage, he was, all right, I'm here to swing. Let's go. And when pitchers know that, they're going to get you. Uh, I believe his swing percentage is down uh, significantly. And the swing and miss, uh, I'm not sure. But good good for him. Good for Luis Robert. I I mean, that's my one thought. Uh, I'd look into that lineup other than why does Jake Lamb exist on the roster is maybe Luis Robert, you know, even though Eden has been doing okay, go ahead and put Luis Robert up top again or at two. So swing rate is up 57.3% to 58.1%, but his swinging strike rate is down 5%. 22% to 17%. And uh, his called strikes plus whiffs is down 1%, 31% uh, to 30%. So he is, you know, seeing less strikes. He's swinging at less strikes. Um, he's not swinging and missing. And, you know, he's mm-hmm. making more contact. Uh, his contact's going up from 61 to 69. Well, we'll see what happens with Jake Lamb today for those uh, White Sox. Um, and, uh, you know, <sighs> this all, it, it, it's the dynamic between the manager and the front office is different in every place. It's different in, in every organization. And th- the key question to me is how many managers around baseball have full autonomy over the lineup every day? And we don't know the answer to that. When we were growing up, it was a lot higher. These days... Man, that is a partnership that is functioning very differently than it used to. This is Joe in his car on I-294, dialing in on Hit and Run right now. Good morning, Joe. How are you? I, I speak. How are you? Great. Hey, so you mentioned about Tony, you know, like putting people in the lineup and you're not, you know, you're kind of scratching your head like, why is he in there? And, uh, look, I'm a Cubs fan, and uh, I'm not a Sox hater, though. But Joe Madden used to do kind of the same thing, you know? Yeah. There were many times that we would scratch our heads, like, why is he in the lineup? Or he would put somewhere from uh, fourth or, or fifth spot to first. or I mean, just, you know, all kind of crazy stuff. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But it just sounds like... Uh, it just sounds like the same thing that what you're saying. Just as soon as you said that, it reminded me of Joe Madden. Well, you know, you know, the thing about about and thank you for the call, man. The thing about about managers is that, look, a very powerful um, baseball exec once said, within earshot of me and some others, all managers suck. Ours just sucks a little bit less. 
Okay, they want to put the guys out there, but they, for the most part, they just can't dictate everything. They try to dictate as much as they can during the game. I don't really, you can't, you can dictate even less. But yeah, I mean, Joe played everybody, and there, there's certainly some sense in playing everybody over over a buck sixty two. Jake Lamb getting a start against a right-hander. It's not the end of the world. I mean, against right-handers in his career, the OPS is over 800. As I mentioned, he was really good for a couple years there, 2017 especially. It's just been a rough go since. Uh, that is for sure. Let's go to Greg on the north side on 670 The Score. Hello, Greg. You're on Hit and Run. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yes, I just wanted to support the uh, your national guest's idea that uh, you could ban the shift. Uh, I think that would help. And the point that some people make against that rule is that, well, you can't tell the fielders where to stand. Well, we've already had a rule for, what, 100 years that a player, let's say uh, Chris Bryant, wants to protect against doubles late in the game. Can he straddle third base, actually have one foot in foul territory? No, there, there's a rule against that. Everyone knows that, and there's, no one has a problem with that. So just tell the shortstop, you have to be on the shortstop side of second base. You can stand behind second, and that's as far as you can go. And the, if the rule was there, people would have already accepted it. You know, it's just that it's new, so it shocks people. But uh, you could do it. We already have a rule for telling fielders where to stand, so just add a, add a little extra to it, and that would really help the hitters. Yeah, you know, it's, it's certainly there's there's nothing stopping you from doing that kind of thing. Um, I think Casey Stern did mention, you know, zone defense in the NBA or – um, or, or, or some of the some of the rules regarding hand checks for defensive backs. I mean, rules to enhance offense have been everywhere in all sports. So it's a matter of which ones actually work. And I do believe that the shift should be either limited or banned. I do because it, and and there's there's definitely an aesthetic function here too. When when somebody rips. A line drive to short right center. That ought to be a hit. Instead of caught by a second baseman on a bounce who's playing a, a glorified fourth outfielder position. When somebody times a pitcher perfectly and they're locked in and they hit a hard grounder right back up, right back up through the box, that ought to at least have a chance to be a hit. I do think so. It's hard to hit a baseball. Really hard. I, 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 I do want those, those things to have a chance to be a hit. I, I would love, would love batters to be good enough to hit the other way and try to hit the other way. They are not incentivized to do it contractually. Um, they are often not incentivized to do, it, to do it personally, though I wish they were. And it's just really, really hard to do as well. But, I mean, look, when they can do that, that, that's wonderful. That would be the best way for the game to adjust to itself, as it always has through the years. The issue is all these guys throwing as hard as they do and just the incredible velocity. So, eventually, the, the true enforcement of a pitch clock that precludes pitchers from being able to go 100% on every single pitch, gathering every little bit of, uh, of their strength and stamina on every pitch so they can max out. If that is precluded, 
then I think that will lead to more contact. And it also might lead to more pitchers being allowed to go later. Because right now, that third time through the lineup, well, he's going to max out, and he won't be quite as maxed out as he was two innings ago. So let me bring in the next middle middle reliever who can max out. Um, I wanted to share this about the mound experiment before I take a break on 670, the score. Um, The Atlantic League is moving the mound back by a foot. I mentioned 16 straight years that the strikeout rate has gone up. Uh, There is also data out there. uh, Scott Lindholm uh, tweeted this out yesterday. So interesting. The strikeouts, the total number of strikeouts for the last 120 years in baseball where strikeouts were, you know, scarce. And there were lots of years, obviously, in the 20s, 30s and 40s where there were more than 16,000 hits. Then there were strikeouts over a given year. Numbers went down in the late 60s when the mound was lowered and and uh, and 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 pitching pitching got got so good. And then and then the mound was lowered and the strike zone was narrowed after that and hits came back up. By 1980, we were again at 18,000 more hits than strikeouts over a given year. And then down, down, down. By 2005, we're a little under 14,000 more hits than strikeout. And down they came, still. By 2015, we're about 4,000 more hits than strikeouts. Then 3,000. Then 2,000. The last four years, there are more strikeouts than hits. For the first time ever in baseball, the last four years. More strikeouts than hits. Overall. It is no longer an anomaly when we see Jacob DeGrom striking out 14. I mean, it's still really, really good. I guess that's a bit of an anomaly, but it sure isn't an anomaly when we see randoms striking out 8, 9. Jason Stark had this, that according to MLB's data, the extra foot that they move the mound back will mean that a 93-mile-an-hour fastball will look to the hitter like a 91 mile an hour fastball. So that's the average velocity in 2020 is 93. The average velocity in 2010 was 91.6. So in 93 mile an hour, the app will look like a pitch from 2010. There were 8,500 fewer strikeouts in 2010 than there were in 2019. 8,500 fewer. The study from MLB also estimates that an extra foot between the rubber, the mound, and the plate would give hitters an additional one one hundredth of a second of reaction time. That is enough to reduce reduce projected swings and misses by 2.2%. That may seem very small to you, but over the course of a big league year, it means thousands, thousands of fewer swings and misses. Yes. And here's the thing about moving the mound back. You're not going to blow arms out more than they are blown out. Catchers play pretty far back behind the plate. Guess what? They're playing farther back than they used to as well. So that's added some distance for the pitcher that they're not even aware of, really. That extra foot, it's not going to truly change the mechanics of the pitcher very much. We're all going to be okay. Everybody's going to be all right. I'm all for it. Let's check it out. 
Top of the hour, we talk about a new podcast regarding steroids that we need to get to and get some context on. More of your phone calls, though, at 312-644-6767. And uh, later on next hour, some blue pits with uh, little tidbits from around the league that you need. You'll get them in the 11 o'clock hour here on The Score. The strikeout gate rate in the game right now is essentially 25%. So one quarter of all plate appearances are, are ending in strikeouts. And um, just a generation ago, that was 15%. And it's a fundamentally different game. When Alexander saw the breadth of his domain, he wept, for there were no more worlds to conquer. Theo trying to fix the game. Can't fix the Cubs? Let's fix the game. It's hard to fix the Cubs. It's Jed's job. They had a great day yesterday. A truly exhilarating offensive performance by the Cubs. Just kept pouring it on and on and on. A couple of homers for Chris Bryant, who's on fire. A couple of homers for Wilson Contreras, who is locked in. Wilson Contreras can be frustrating, I know. But boy... And really, it's only frustrating when, like, if, if you don't like the emotion. I love the emotion and the passion from Wilson. I mean, he's done so much work defensively. I used to call it the unnecessary cat-like reflexes of Wilson Contreras. You don't see them very much anymore. No longer. Like the crazy sort of, like, looking like John Belushi on a stakeout in the Blues Brothers. You know, he doesn't really have that look anymore. Much more under control. Tony La Russa, by the way, says the White Sox will see how the bullpen is used behind Dallas Keuchel in game one before he decides who starts game two. So it might not be Jonathan Stevers. Stevers here. What does that mean? If there's no Kopech in game one, maybe Kopech starts game two? That'd be pretty cool. Revenge game. <laughs> Let Michael get us started. Fenway, dude is un hittable these days that would be so fun and speaks i know he's not the same guy as last year but you might get ambidextrous gravy if he starts if kopex starts and they don't use do crochet it. game one do it do it so maybe that's what's in his mind is too long guys and that'd be fun as hell give kopex a start let him uh meet fenway greet the fans etc and let him go three innings have crochet come in afterwards flip that lineup around oh i like it I like the way you think. This is Ben in Queens on the score on Hit and Run. Good morning, Ben. What's happening? Good morning, Matt. You know, I'm going to get to my Cubs uh, ambidextrous gravy, future Mm. ambidextrous gravy. But Mm. first, I got to say, when I hear you sing the low brass intro, I am happy because it means that some semblance of something that smells kind of like normalcy is entering back into my universe. It is no small thing, my man. Ah, and it, 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 I, I, I'm getting overclamped just thinking about it. <laughs> well, it's it's Tell for me. it's for you and only you on the the low brass of the, of the twib <laughs> theme. But go ahead, babe. What you got? Okay. Well, look, I don't, I'm not going to traffic in you know um, in 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 Cubs fantasy here, but these Cubs are not as bad as they look right now. I mean, it's the numbers are historic, but that also means they are anomalous. It is somewhat of an anomaly. And even if they are this bad, look, your three biggest pieces of trade bait, which is Bryant, Kimbrell and Contreras are performing exactly where you'd want the prices going up every day. And what I'm getting to with the gravy is, you know, 
there are no de- there are no dynasties anymore in baseball. You know, there's, there's there wasn't going to happen with the Cubs. But if you look at like the Red Sox in 2007, 2013, and the Cardinals in 2006 and 2011, there were like three elements on the same team. So I could see the Cubs winning in 2024 with their ambidextrous gravy of Azale and with uh, Braylon Marquez. With a bunch of pieces that you could get in this season. You see, the Cubs are going to win between 75 and 85 games. They could have a 75-win season. It could be very successful because they could get a bunch of pieces to put around an Ed Howard, a Christian Hernandez, uh, a Nico Horner. And, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, there's some – and during this season that's happening, the Cubs – look, the Cubs are going to be in it because they've got enough good pitching. The bullpen is just good enough. And the hitters, they're going to hit just enough. They are. They're going to do it. So I mean, this—I'm telling you, this this lines up to be a fascinating Cubs uh, Cubs season. You just gotta relax and freaking enjoy it, man. People got the football mentality, and you know, it's just horrible. It just destroys everything. So anyway, I love you, man. And like I say, hearing <laughs> hearing you sing makes it worth it. And I'm telling you, I'm gonna be calling you up during the season. We're gonna we're gonna end up. You know, Cubs are not going to be as bad as everybody thinks they are. I'm getting in fights with these Twitches on the Twitch chat, you know, because, man, it's like, oh, they're horrible, they're horrible. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate you. Um, yeah, they're frustrating. They're more frustrating than they are flat-out horrible because it's a similar movie to the one you've been watching for years. So it feels very samey. And you were told at end-of-season press conference after end-of-season press conference that the offense is broken and something must be done. That we need people, need different people. And then the different people haven't really come. They have not. So you've got the same people being asked to make the same kind of adjustments. And certain pitchers can just get them. But yeah, that division, man, the Cincinnati Reds are 7-1 and one at home. They're outrageous. More on them in blue pits coming up later. But they're only 9-5. and five. And then it's the Brewers who are hitting just about as poorly as the Cubs are. Pretty close. The Cardinals... At seven and seven, and the Cubs there at six and eight. Not only is it early, but most divisions are tight. The best team in baseball on display every night, late at night, if you're wide awake, are the Dodgers. 13 and two, good at everything and deep at everything. And these games with the Padres have been electric. Second best team in baseball, second best record in baseball, also the second best run differential in baseball is the Boston Red Sox. Actually, uh, third best run differential, one run behind the Reds, who are fading just a little in that regard. But the Red Sox at 10-4, and and they host the White Sox for a doubleheader. We will get you ready for some of those games along the way, and let's talk about the uh, a dark, dark era in baseball that was also really fun. Is it possible to have been both? I think so. We'll contextualize it next. Hit and run on the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 